Hello, Kyle. Happy June. Happy June. Happy summer. We've officially uh-huh. made it past the summer solstice. So summer is officially here. Although for many of our listeners, I'm sure it feels as though summer has been here since the end of May. Um, or maybe the beginning of May when they started getting super ready for summer season. But here we are. We made Absolutely. it. Absolutely. The hot and sticky weather is here and, and settled into the Washington, D.C. area. So we hope wherever you are that you are enjoying much better, um, less thunderstormy and um, sticky weather than we I just are hope wherever you here. are, you have a AC. Just I hope that you have air conditioning. <laughs> Absolutely. That's all. Um, and yes, yes. So we are excited to talk uh, to our interview for this month's episode. Um, Kyle, t- tell our lovely listeners about our interview this month. Absolutely. Well, I was really excited about this interview because this calls back to my time spent working with our student members. Um, we received some outreach from one of our faculty advisors, um, Dr. Matt Samuel, up at Johnson and Wales University in Providence, Rhode Island, who was really excited to share with us some of the research one of his student members had been conducting. Um, and we thought it would be a really interesting uh, episode if we could chat with Ashley, that student, and learn a little bit more about what her research was based on and what led her to start asking some questions. So we were really thrilled uh, that for this episode to welcome Ashley Zicello, who, as I mentioned, is a student member at Johnson & Wales University in Providence. She's a member of the Student Chapter eBoard and has been an active member of CMA since 2020, which honestly... <laughs> So proud of some of our student members right now because they have not only joined the association during the height of the pandemic, but have really stepped into the hospitality space during such a weird, weird time to start figuring out what you want to do with your life. So huge, uh, huge props to all of our student members for kind of working through this period, but very proud of Ashley for the research that she's done, which is very fascinating and of course we'll get into more details with her but for our listeners uh the research project is called the culture of health and wellness within the private club industry and through this project ashley is seeking to explore how employee well-being programming can be used as a benefit to attract and retain employees in private clubs. You know, we spend a lot of time on the podcast talking about recruiting and retention when it comes to staff team members and exploring this idea of health and well-being uh, for those team members is really fascinating. So as I said, we dove into this research and we're really thrilled to share Ashley's findings and our conversation with her with you now. So Ashley can take it away. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Ashley, for joining us. We are, we are thrilled to have Ashley Zicello here with us today. Um, she is a student member at our, the Johnson & Wales University in Providence, um, and she is going to chat with us a little bit about some of the research she's been doing as a student, which is fantastic. Um, so, Ashley, thanks for joining us. We're really thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. For this research study... Go ahead. Thank you. Um, it started, this was for the Johnson Wales University Student Research Design and Innovation Symposium. So this actually started from a class I took, and it was on competitive business strategies. So it wasn't a hospitality class at all. 
and it was arguing that using wellness and having that be a value of your firm will help you to attract and retain employees. And it was showing how different firms were using that as a competitive advantage. But to relate it back to private clubs who are nonprofits and not in competition with each other, we have much more of our community to share strategies with each other. Mm-hmm. So I, we kind of saw that gap in between businesses and competitiveness versus a community and collaboration. Yeah, definitely. So, I think and that's that, what I'm going to do. With yeah, definitely. That gap is really interesting to look at, right? Because I think so often in school, we focus a lot on kind of those competitive pieces and how does one business achieve success over another. And clubs are very different in that regard because, and and actually Melissa and I talked about this with another guest we had on the podcast last week, um, talking about how this idea that clubs aren't really competitive with each other. In fact, a lot of members are members at multiple clubs. And so they're not, you're not looking to take someone away or take business away from another club. You're thinking about like, well, how are we working together um, to to create something that is that is good and positive. And I think in this space where you're talking about, you know, health and wellness within clubs, that goes both directions, right? It's like members of clubs, mm-hmm. but then what you were looking at specifically is the employees, like health and wellness in private clubs um, and how that relates to employees' well-being and ultimately retention and recruitment of those employees, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with the guiding questions for your research project? The guiding questions, I had three guiding questions, and that was distributed to 14 managers, and that was due to a a little bit of a time constraint. And also, this is a very small research study. Um, The guiding questions served to illustrate managers' understanding on Mm well-being and then how it related into their club and into the club industry. So it was more of a personal reflection and then personal internal reflection to their organization. That's awesome. And, okay, so, you know, you talk about well-being. We're talking about how you know, we have to look at wellness holistically. And then that's really what your study is doing, even though it's small, it's Mm -hmm. it's taking kind of that step back to look at like, how are we approaching wellness from all aspects? Um, Why was that important to you? Why was it really important to you to kind of capture that holistic view of well-being? Um, I think that that whole, I think wellness is often associated with fitness Mm -hmm. and then a healthy diet. But I also think that there's lots of different layers to wellness, just as there's a lot of different layers to every individual's life. And that I think it's not so much balance, but recognizing that there's many different layers in recognizing that there's more to wellness and just like um, what you're eating in physical exercise, that that's a step that like, I want to just draw some attention to that on that as well Mm -hmm. as, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you're thinking when you talk about like wellness and well-being, like it's not just that physical side of thing. It's not just making sure you're exercising or eating healthy. It's also thinking about, um, I think you said balance. And when I think of balance, I think of like work-life balance, right? Or, um, you know, just not just work-life balance, but even balance within the workplace of like, am I feeling like I have the right amount of time to be spending on certain projects versus others or balancing the 
people that I'm spending my time with at work, um, you know, things like that, things that are offering employees time to not just put their, you know, heads down and get their job done, but to experience Mm -hmm. and enjoy their job on all levels. That's kind of what I think, what I'm taking away from what you're saying. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. And to expand on that a little bit more, it's also financial wellness. Mm-hmm. And then we have some clubs that offer um, 401k planning. Yeah. So that idea of um, wellness programming, not necessarily being like, okay, let's get like, discount to the gym, even though that might be part of it, but also how do we show you how to like spend your paycheck that you're getting from us? So you're able to sustain yourself more as an individual and help people in their personal lives as well as that organization. I love that. And I think that that's like so valuable. I think actually, you know, most, I think most young people and frankly, even those of us who aren't young could benefit from stuff like financial (laughs) wellness assistance, (laughs) because I think we all get to that point of being an adult and go, oh no, what, how, how do I do, how do I, no one taught me how to do this. How do I do this? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. So thinking about, you know, this holistic approach, do you think that looking at wellness and well-being in the club space is perhaps different than it would be looking at it in maybe more of a traditional corporate space? Absolutely. I think to kind of, to kind of step away from that question and then I'll relate back to it is mm-hmm. that I think people's values change so much for the pandemic. And I think that's also one of the reasons why I focus on well-being and wellness for the study is that I um, I actually started at Johnson & Wales in 2020. So that was also my graduating year from high school. So I kind of saw the shift in this hospitality industry while I'm studying it in college. Yeah. So when I'm also taking some business classes, and that's what this stemmed from. And you see this relate everywhere. But then you also kind of saw the hospitality be branded with burnout. Yes. So I think that in a key factor to retaining employees is also well-being and showing that that's a value because we had suffered so many staffing shortages. And then clubs, the club industry also might have more of an advantage over other segments of hospitality industry because we have fitness pros and we have these state-of-the-art fitness facilities. And we're also nonprofits, so we might have a little bit more flexibility with how we're able to demonstrate wellness programming. Absolutely. I think, I mean, I think that really nails it. You really are capturing kind of like what makes clubs stand apart, especially in the hospitality space. Um, I think all the things you just mentioned actually make them a really interesting and intriguing place to be thinking about employee well-being because you do have access to professionals and facilities that many other businesses don't have Um, which, you know, can be really useful in building an employee wellness program, like that kind of spans all aspects of one's life. So that's, that's a really great point. So thinking about your research and what you've learned from it as a whole, and I think we kind of just touched on that a little bit, but did your research lead you to any specific conclusions and did you, were you able to identify any like gaps, knowledge gaps or challenges along the way? So some of the biggest, the biggest conclusion from the study is that we had managers had an understanding of what wellness was, but then it dropped 
by 56.7% when asking them what wellness programming meant to their organization. That's not surprising so, at all. <laughs> not at all. I think we could all say, like, I know what this is, but how do I do it? Great question. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think that and that's not too surprising, but now we have those numbers as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, but also another thing is the firms that did say that they do offer wellness programmings, they weren't were saying it in the recruitment process. Mm -hmm. So maybe those, and which means is like you're hiring someone and then probably like six months later, they're finding out that, oh, you have the discount to a gym. And I think that those, those factors could be deciding factors when you're hiring someone. So it's not only having the, like, it's more than just offering them. It's also when you're mentioning that you do offer them. Absolutely. I mean, I think that communication is super important. I mean, Melissa and I, I think we've talked about this a lot, just the broadly the importance of clear communication to employees and potential employees. But Ashley, I think you're absolutely correct. You know, when you're thinking about when you're communicating these types of benefits, because that's really what they are, they're, you know, this, this wellness programming is a, is a benefit um, to employees, but when are you sharing that information with folks? Is it during the recruitment process? Is it during an interview? Are, are you, you know, being forthcoming about that information? Or are you putting it on the candidate to have to ask, you know, what types of benefits do I have in this role? Um, so yeah, definitely. Like, it, it sounds like your research is, is pointing towards that idea of like, maybe we should be thinking about when this communication is happening. Um, I also think that the exercise of clear communication in the recruiting process can also be one of those soft benefits of a wellness program because you're demonstrating the type of culture that you have at your club when you're being absolutely. open communicator. <laughs> yeah, it definitely demonstrates that. Absolutely. Gap. You know, you talk about the gap of them not knowing how to put it in place, but not understanding the benefits of that as a recruiting tool. And not understanding perhaps just even the, the disconnect of understanding what employees are seeking as they're coming into uh, choosing, you know, and, and, you know, we talk a lot about clubs being um, employers of choice and that, you know, that kind of disconnect of understanding that gap between the importance of folks seeking wellness as part of the employment uh, process. So, Yeah, definitely. Well, I think too, and Ashley, I believe you kind of alluded to this when you were talking about COVID and my goodness, the fact that you graduated from high school when COVID started and you've kind of just like your whole college experience has been through this weird, weird, very atypical time. Goodness gracious. I'm so proud of you for getting this far. <laughs> um, but like, I think, you know, during COVID, as employees, many of us have spent a lot of time thinking about what we value in a workplace. And I think vice versa, that has then, you know, made employers start to think, okay, what do we mm -hmm. value in our, you know, team, but then how can we show them that we value them in return? Um, and, you know, as I, it's, we're really grappling with some of these kind of difficult questions um, that are kind of hard to put your finger on when it comes to, there's no silver bullet, right? Like there's no one solution that's going to fix it for, for everyone. But I think that talking yeah. about 
wellness and well-being in the recruitment process and and beyond is a great first step. And it sounds like your research is supportive of that. <laughs> I also think to branch off of that, mm-hmm. it's adapted to that societal change of memberships advocating for more wellness, whether that be maybe like healthier food choices or expanding fitness facilities. But then you have, I think there's a benefit to employees if you don't share the same values of members, but you understand why that's important to them. Yes. So wellness programming could also be a way to participate in understanding, oh, what this is why this is important. And either you have that commonality and you can share those values together and have like more in-depth conversations about them, or you just understand why this is important and why you're doing what you're doing. So wellness program just as like, this is a country club is understanding golf or playing golf. If you don't like, if you don't understand golf, you're at a disconnect with the members. For an athletic club member, like um, for an athletic club, wellness program might be even more important mm-hmm. because that's the heartbeat of your club. Absolutely. Oh, I love the way you said that. That's the heartbeat of your club. That's so good. <laughs> um, when we chatted before, you, I remember you mentioning that you know clubs are a place for everyone, and obviously, like that's something we really, really believe and buy into um, a lot here at CMAA. But I'm curious what you meant by that, you know, that idea, how can clubs be a place for everyone? And, Mm -hmm. you know, then thinking about what you meant by that, how do you think that that mindset can help inform staff recruitment and retention within clubs? Um, I also, um, just to add another layer, I also think it benefits strategic planning too. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of this, there's not is research for the club industry, but when you look at even hotels, which is another segment of hospitality, there's a lot more in-depth research. For this research study, I I don't think I, I think I used one study from hotels and everything else is not from any branch of hospitality industry. It's a lot of insurance companies and union contracts, and then also colleges and universities and how they're attracting employees. Mm-hmm. So what that has taught me, or even my go back to that freshman hospitality class over zoom is managers would come in and say like this is my story and then we had cma john snow wales go on i'm sure you've seen professor samples linkedin journey of yes. us going on those little tours for managers yes. and all managers want to tell us is that, like this is my story of how i got to the club industry or this is how i found it mm-hmm. and most of that is not most of that is I was somewhere else and then I got to this club industry, which is very interesting because it means I have another work experience. And how could you tie in your, not your own personal experience, but is there research in that firm that you worked at or in that field that could relate back to the club? Kind of what I did was I took a business strategy and I just mm-hmm. molded it and found that gap. Absolutely. So I think that's really interesting. Definitely. I, and I love that too, because like to to me, you know, the clubs themselves are very <laughs> interdisciplinary in the way that they function because, you know, we have all of these different departments that have very different functionalities, very different areas of expertise. And so really, you know, you can come into clubs from any one of those many faceted angles, um, you know, depending on what your own personal background and experience and interests are. Um, and I think that, yeah, you nail, you hit the nail on the head by saying that clubs are really for everyone. Cause there's a, there's a place 
in the operation of a club for pretty much anybody with any skill set. You know, we we need a, a diverse array of people with backgrounds and interests to make clubs go, to make them successful, to make them places where members want to spend their time. Um, and I do find it interesting what you said about there being kind of um, a lack of research in the area of clubs in terms of like what you were looking at to help support your study, you know, looking at stuff from hotels is fabulous, but then, you know, having to branch out and look at insurance companies and all these other places to find your data is pretty telling, right? Like that, that Mm -hmm. tells us as an industry that there's a lot more room for us to, to look closely at some of these trends and practices that we're engaging in. And, uh, and do a little bit more work and, and research and figure out maybe where our other gaps are and where we can improve and get to know at least our employee base a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Or even like we saw like for COVID, like manager share of what they're doing for the club in that community. And they do that for, for anything, but for COVID, I think that was a definite strength that we had to differentiate clubs from other segments of hospitality. But Absolutely. I think, um, just finding like what I was doing, as I said, who does, who's doing this well and why is it effective? And then I found a lot of research in other areas. And I think that you could pull, we have so many people with diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. and there is so much research in other places that it's more of, that potentially this could be more of a collaboration between clubs and more like a research on like who, what do we need and where can we kind of find this information of who's doing it well from other industries. Um, for suggestions for wellness programming, what's really what I found is a lot of times that firms will have, like maybe you have a road race and it's supporting a local cause. So wellness also could be could branch into other areas of departments like a community engagement. Where you have like right now Techno Gym is doing that competition that's like the regional level, and the, but you could also have internal competitions for fitness like the most activity within your club and then you measure it between like 60 and 90 days but then also coupling that yeah thank you with a, a fundraiser to support a local organization could also be like the memberships the memberships idea and like their values or an employer like someone in the industry as well definitely definitely i i mean i think the way you approached this study is is really fascinating to me and i think you were asking a lot of really great questions but even that one you know like who's doing it well and what are they like how are they doing it <laughs> like that's a great place to start and that's a great place for us to start with any like large question that we have and i think certainly in the club industry um and within CMA specifically, you know, we certainly encourage idea sharing and best practice sharing. And that's exactly what this was. <laughs> Ashley, you did a really fabulous job. I'm looking forward to seeing what else you do and to uh, to seeing what our student chapters can achieve in the next several years. I mean, you guys have so much wonderful energy and I'm always so excited and so proud to hear the work that you guys are doing. Uh, So, Ashley, thank you again for joining us on the podcast and sharing your research. Um, For our listeners, we will make sure to link any additional, you know, notes or anything like that about what Ashley is working on. And if you have questions for her, please let us know. We'd be happy to connect you. Um, But in the meantime, thanks again, Ashley. This has been really wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Of course. All right. Well, As I said, Melissa, that was a great conversation. I am so impressed with the work that our student members are doing. And I love that they're curious 
and that they are starting to kind of lead the direction for the hospitality industry by asking these really important questions and doing some of the work to figure out the answers. Absolutely. You know, I'm always enthused when I talk to these folks and really the the way that they look at problems today mm-hmm. um, and, and try to solve those. And it's just it's it's inspiring and just kind of gives me a lot of hope for the, the future of our industry. So uh, it was a great conversation with Ashley. Absolutely. And, you know, it's really interesting today. We're talking about the next generation of, of club management leaders and professionals. And Melissa, our announcement for this episode kind of spans the other end of that spectrum. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about uh, the club executive of the year? Sure. So we are just uh, just opened the nomination process for the Club Executive of the Year Award, um, and we print this printed this in conjunction with Club Management Magazine, our official publication, um, every year. And you know, it really recognizes excellence in club leadership. So you know, this is this award dates back to 1985. Um, it was originally known as the Club Manager of the Year Award, and you know, was designed to really honor an individual who by his or her achievements best represents the qualities found in our hardworking, dedicated club management leaders. And in 2008, with the evolution of the profession, the the award was retitled to kind of mirror uh, that new titling and that club executive role. And today the award continues to evolve. Over the last uh, three years, uh, the process has really been delineated and really focusing on three areas. Number one, on those club management professionals who are demonstrating ongoing mentoring. Um, Those folks that are creating a supportive club culture consistently Mm -hmm. within their, for their team. And those who are sustaining ongoing engagement uh, with their local community. And in this case, really with that local CMA chapter. You know, these folks are connected, they are involved, they are giving back to this industry, and they are really um, helping to lead this industry forward. Um, You know, CMA welcomes and encourages nominations from diverse backgrounds and work experiences, and our entries are due in September, so there is a little bit of time. So if you um, can think of someone in the industry that you think should be nominated, please head to our website, um, click on the News tab, Awards Programs, and you'll be taken to the nomination program button. Um, I just want to caution that there that the nomination is not an, it's not an instant nomination. So it is a uh, a submission of resume. It is a submission of three uh, letters specifically that address the three tenants that I just mentioned. So a letter from a mentee um, within the last three years, a letter from a member of the club team um, or the club's board. Um, depending on the management structure of the club, um, member of the club team or the club's board, and then a member from the CMAA local chapter. So, you know, that information, that that does take a a little bit to pull together. So please don't wait till September um, to start asking for those letters. Um, And, you know, we do ask that it is one letter per category. So we only accept um, the first three letters that we receive that meet those three categories. So um, really, you know, this is a, it's an amazing award. And I know our listeners are very familiar with past award winners because they've been on the show. So okay. earlier this year, her, 
You heard from uh, Brett Morris, who was our 2022 winner, um, who gave us some great sage advice. And we got to hear his background uh, from the culinary side of clubs uh, to where he is today as the general manager, chief operating officer of the club at Admiral's Cove in Jupiter, Florida. So, you know, these are great, amazing voices. And we know there are a lot of folks in our industry uh, that deserve to be recognized. So if you have any questions about the program, don't hesitate to reach out to us at headquarters. Happy to, to chat with you. But please start thinking about that. We'd love to get um, a great number of nominations this year. Uh, we know those are there are amazing folks out there that deserve recognition. Absolutely. And I think it's important just as a reminder um, that this is not a lifetime achievement award, right? This is not something that is supposed to be a Hall of Fame recognition, though if you look back on many of our past winners, it certainly reads that way, which should be no surprise to anyone. Um, this is really a, um, a highlight of who has really stepped up and stood out in the last year? Who's been doing incredible work at their club? And it could be a small club. It doesn't have to be a huge operation. You know, who has been doing some incredible work, as Melissa mentioned, you know, building that community and doing really good work in mentoring um, and, and creating a culture that people want, want to work in. Um, you know, we, we, like she said, welcome all kinds of diverse nominees, and uh, we are really looking forward to seeing who pops up this year, because we know that there are so many incredible club leaders um, out there doing great work. So we look forward to checking out those nominations later this year, but for now, start thinking about it and gathering all of your ducks and putting them in a row or several <laughs> rows. I don't know, maybe right. you have a lot of ducks. Too. Yeah, get them off the pond, call them in. Yeah, right, call them in. <laughs> I don't know um, what's happening now. <laughs> well, I think, We're talking I think about our, ducks. That's our cue to wrap it up when Probably. we moved on to agri ducks and agriculture. Uh-huh, yeah, that's a good sign. <laughs> Um, as she said, I think that wraps up this episode. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you do get a chance, you know, please share feedback with us. If you've got ideas for future episodes, reach out. Let us know. If you if you know of somebody who might be interesting to talk to, you know who to contact. It's the two of us. Tell us. We'll 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 reach out and talk to them. Uh, we've got, per usual, a lot on our plate, but I think this is it for the month of June. We've got more coming for you in July, or we have one more. Again, there's some weird time travel happening in the podcast world in the sense of I don't know when we're recording for what anymore. So it's fine. Uh, here's your humor for the week. <laughs> Until the next one, I'm Kyle. That's Melissa. This has been Let's Talk Club Management. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Take care, friends. Management Podcast is a podcast of the Club Management Association of America. Since 1927, CMAA has been the largest professional association for managers of membership clubs throughout the U.S. and internationally. 
The objectives of the association are to promote relationships between club management professionals and other similar professions, to encourage the education and advancement of members, and to provide the resources needed for efficient and successful club operations. Under the covenants of professionalism, education, leadership, and community, CMAA continues to extend its reach as the leader in the club management practice. CMAA is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, with more than 40 professional chapters and more than 40 student chapters and colonies. Please learn more at www.cmaa.org.